everybody, and welcome back to Your Fab Life. Today, we have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Ava as we dive in to a life of medicine. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Your Five Life podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of having Dr. Ava uh, interviewing her about her journey of becoming a Black female doctor and her two books that are out. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. We have a lot of uh, aspiring doctors or just aspiring people in the medical profession that listen to our podcast since this is a professional podcast. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Yes, yes, yes. And we know that doctors are very busy. And I was just talking to you about how busy the schedules are. So if you're listening to this and you want to be a doctor, <laughs> you're up, you know, for having a very busy schedule. But we're very happy that you were able to um, join us. So with that being said, I just wanted to, we first wanted to just jump into a little bit more about more about who you are and then about your two wonderful books that you've written. Um, with with your journey, you know, I, I I say all the time that even in the legal profession, less than 5% um, our doctors are, are Black. And it's literally pretty much the same statistics for the medical profession, less than 5% are Black. Um, and so the numbers don't go up. I don't, I don't care how much time goes past. The numbers just, they, they don't go up. So how, how would you describe your journey as a Black female doctor? Um, did you go to school here in the States? Like, what was your journey in becoming um, a doctor? So I always say that my story is a little bit different because I grew up with both parents being doctors. My mom was a dermatologist and my father was a radiologist. And I grew up in Haiti and both of them had their own practices and so very, very early on, I got to see my mom and dad get ready. They each separated, went to their own practices um, and doing the medical aspect of it, but also the business aspect of it. You know, there were bosses, they had employees, they had to run payroll, um, and then they had to take care of their patients too. So very, very early on, I was able to see that from my mom and my dad and I mean, as far as I could remember, I always wanted to be a doctor, always wanted to be like my parents. Um, when you're growing up, your parents are your heroes. And so for me, I looked up to them and I wanted to be a doctor since I could remember. Um, we left Haiti very unexpectedly. That's a different story at another time. <laughs> that story was also crazy. Um, came to the U.S. I was almost 15, almost 15, a couple months shy of being 15 and had to start high school out of nowhere, not prepared because I came to visit and then just happened to have to stay. Um, so started my journey, finishing up high school here, did my undergrad in the U.S., ended up applying for medical school in the U.K., um, so did my first two years in the U.K. and then transferred into Ross University um, for the last couple of years. In the first two years of medical school, you're usually in the books doing a lot of lectures. In the last two years, you're still in the books, but it's more so clinical aspect. So when I transferred to Ross University, 
Ross at the time was in Dominica, which I believe now they relocated. But at the time they were in Dominica and the last two years of med school, they were doing a lot of their clinical rotations in the U.S., different parts of the U.S. So when I transferred, even though I went to Ross, I never really stepped foot in Dominica because the last couple of years I had to do my clinical rotation. So I was in Atlanta, in New York, in Miami, um, doing my clinical rotations, graduated and did my residency in Georgia. Wow. I was so always wondering how you got to Georgia. Cause I was like, yeah, Haiti, I was always wondering <laughs> your journey of how you, how you, how you got to Georgia. That's a very interesting journey. And it's just yeah. interesting that, you know, with the statistics being so low, having two parents that are doctors, yeah, she were very blessed to have, uh, mm-hmm. those examples. Um, right. now what is your, what is your specialty? internal medicine but okay. i specifically do specifically do um hospital medicine so i am a hospitalist which means i only stay in the hospital setting and see patients that are really sick in the hospital setting i don't do outpatient medicine see i see i see and did you what just a part of when you you know i know a lot of times people you know growing up i want to be a doctor but there's just so many types of doctors so through your journey, how did you kind of, is it kind of like trial and error when you're in med school and you're in your residency, you're kind of deciding which field you want to go in? Like, how did you kind of land where you landed? So a lot of times you may think that you want to be a specific kind of doctor and do a specific specialty. And then when you enter into medical school, then you start changing your mind. You really get to know what you fall in love with when your hands is right in it, when you're doing your clinical rotations, because the two years of clinical rotations, you are rotating through pretty much almost everything. You do a little bit of internal medicine, a little bit of neurology, a little bit of pediatrics, OB, like you're doing everything. So even though you think, I want to be an OBGYN, and then you get into your clinical rotation and you do the OB rotation, you may not like it the way that you thought you liked it. You may fall in love with dermatology i'm just saying you know so that's when you really know what you want to do is when you do the clinical rotations and then it's time to apply for residency so you apply to the residency program that caters to that specialty i'm trying to keep it simple but that's you no no you're you're breaking it down for someone that's layman that doesn't know you're breaking it down perfectly um because again a lot of times people say you know, whether they want to be a lawyer, they want to be a doctor, they want to be this, they want to be that. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, you may think you want, but then when you get into it, you know, this, and this is why it is important to do internships and, you know, in the medical profession, you don't have a choice. You have to do, you know, the residency and things like that. You have to do your clinical rotation. So it kind of forces you to see everything. Uh, but I think in any, any profession, yes, it's important to try it out first before you completely commit to it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I always wanted to know, it was very interesting to know like your path for, but for me, I always wanted to be a gastroenterologist. Okay. And gastroenterology is a specialty of internal medicine. So if you want to do endocrine, nephrology, cardiology, um, GI, um, hematology, like a lot of those those subspecialties, you have to go through internal medicine residency first. And then when you're done with the internal medicine residency, which is three years, then you apply for the specialty residency and that's called fellowship. So I thought I wanted to be a gastroenterologist. I was like, I love GI. This is what I want to do. 
Um, so I got into internal medicine residency because I had to in order to be a GI doctor later on. And during my internal medicine residency, I really fell, I fell in love with internal medicine. I still thought I wanted to be a GI doctor, but to be honest with you, towards the end of my residency program, I met my husband, we got married, I got pregnant. And I was just tired of like school. I wanted to just be done and live life. Mm -hmm. So, and since I really liked internal medicine too, I was like, you know what? I'm done. That's it. Like, I'm this is it. This is what I'm going to like. Give me my diploma and let me go to work. So that's what I did. <laughs> now, what, um, you know, what would you say is like the best part of being a doctor in terms of what you, you truly enjoy? And then what would you say is probably the most challenging part and when i say challenging part as it relates to the fact that you are a female you're a black female doctor so speaking about those challenges but first what what do you enjoy the most um about being a doctor what i really enjoy the most is you know like i had to think about this for a second um because there's a lot of parts that i like but the most would be seeing a patient that i'm admitting who's coming in with whatever they're coming in with and then see them walk out of the hospital doing great or having a plan or having a solution, you know? So the way they come in is not the way they leave. Um, that is truly, truly what I enjoy. I mean, it that's not always the case, but for the most part, that is the case. You come in, you have a problem. So you have, um, I don't know, heart failure, and you didn't know that's what you had, and you had all the symptoms, you know, fluid overload, um, shortness of breath, all of that. And then we diagnose you, we mm -hmm. remove the fluid, you feel brand new, we have a plan for you in order for that, for that not to happen again. So that is just wonderful, you know, giving people hope um, so that they can continue on with their lives is what I enjoy the most. Now, what I don't enjoy... <laughs> like, do you want to learn alphabetically and numerically? <laughs> what I don't enjoy, which I'm learning to navigate around that is, and I'm going to speak from the bottom of my heart, like being a woman who is married to another physician, who has kids, who is in a profession that's highly demanding because... I have to take care of my patients the way I have to take care of my children. So sometimes you forget to put yourself in that equation, you know? So having to learn to balance all of that is what I don't enjoy because when you're on call, when a patient needs you, when a nurse needs you, you have to drop everything you're doing to go attend to that patient. Um, no matter what that thing is, you know? And then at the same time, I have kids that also need me. And How I also need kids? myself. How many kids? I have three kids. Three. <laughs> I have three kids. three kids. Yeah, and I'm also married to another physician who is also in a highly demanding career. He's an ER doctor. So oh having to your household, I don't even know how you guys hard. do it. <laughs> we just figured it out. It. You just you we say that. I don't know. <laughs> we figured it out, and I'm still trying to adjust because. I'm changing. The kids are growing up. Their needs are different as well as the years go by. So you're always having to learn to navigate that. And that is not easy at all. Mm -hmm. What challenges now? You know, I always hear the running joke. People come in and say, where's the doctor? And it is like, 
I'm the doctor, right? Have you experienced that before where people just assume maybe you're the nurse or maybe yes, the hospital that's every single day. And I'm not exaggerating. Wow. That's every single day to the point where I don't even pay attention to it anymore because it's become so normal. <laughs> you know, I don't let it affect me. I don't be, I don't get upset. I'm like, well, whatever. It's probably going to happen again in the next few minutes with the next patient, you know? Well, what, would you every say to a, what would you say to a new doctor that's experienced? Because like you said, you're used to it at this point because you've been practicing what? At least what, eight years? Oh yeah, at least 10 years. Yeah, almost 10 years. So at this yeah. point, you're kind of used to people just assuming you're not the doctor. But for someone else that, again, is a minority coming into the field, especially a minority female, because I feel like when you're female, it's like a double minority. They definitely don't think you're the doctor, right? Um, um, what What is your... What is your um, you know, what is your advice for someone dealing with that kind of the first time to basically just don't take it personal or? Yeah, don't take it personal because if you take it personal, it's going to mess up your whole day because it's going to happen every single day. <laughs> you know what I mean? And even if you educate that one person who said that to you, eventually they'll leave and there'll be somebody else. You're never going to be able to keep up with it. Unfortunately, you know, doing what we're doing now, educating people outside of the, on the, in the community to let them know. But at the end of the day, I mean, I, I don't take it personal anymore. I still introduce myself as Dr. Ava, Dr. Baloo, you know, but a majority of the time I walk into the room, I have my white coat with my name, my badge is hanging, my stethoscope. I'm coming into the room and a family member might be on the phone with somebody else and they say, oh, hold on a second. The nurse is here, you know, or um, my nurse just came. I'll call you back. Like they always assume that yeah, that's the default. I am who I'm not, you know, and there's nothing wrong with being anything a else. Nurse, just, right, that's not right. what I am. Um, and then even after I introduce myself, you can tell the questioning like, hmm, is she lying? Is it true? Does she, she really know what she, or does she really know what she's? doing yeah. should I get my opinion? like for a second so I kind of have to convince them without really telling them but convincing them by the way I'm acting the questions I'm asking the things I'm doing and how I'm explaining the situation and the plan then they're like okay she's legit and they're asking me questions and I'm answering their questions and we're coming up with a plan together then they're like okay then she they is. Realize, okay, she's yeah, but <laughs> always having to prove yourself. And that's always been my story since the beginning of time, since starting medical school. And that that's gotten worse in residency. Like when you're actually seeing patients that are not used to seeing people that look like you, it gets worse. So in residency, it's gotten worse for me. Um, and then it's still the same. It has not gotten better. And then there are patients that say things like, you're too young to be a doctor. Are you sure are you a doctor? I was going to say, know? that's the third thing you have against you. You're young, yeah. you're black, and you're female. <laughs> so they really don't think you know what you're talking about. Right, like, right. Hey, or, How could you know? You're, you're too young. Yeah. To know. You're not experienced enough. Exactly, exactly. And I'm like, I look young, but I'm not as young as you think. You know, what thinks I'll take that compliment. Right. Or there are those that would be like, hmm. You know, they look at you from head to toe like, no, nah, I don't think she knows what she's talking about because my hair is put together. I have lashes. I have my eyebrow, My nails are done. Like right. they're not used to seeing that kind of image. You know, they have that stereotype of a older white male. As you know what doctor. I mean? 
And yes. so when you come in and you're well put together, they automatically assume that you may be a bimbo. I'm just saying. So you have to work extra hard. Like, I mean, I was gonna say, so that's the point thing you have against you. So you're pretty, you're young, you're black. Well, thank you. you know, <laughs> and, and, I, and I tell people all the time, even in the other professions that I am in, again, it's you, you know, it's like, when, when did pretty become a bad thing? But it's almost like maybe you care more about your looks or something like that than your job. Like they just assume, assume that. So there are a lot of assumptions you have to like, you know, get over. Uh, but I think that's a good segue to your one of your books that you wrote, um, helping to educate. You know, I always say, is it the, uh, you know, is it the, what is it, the chicken or the egg when you're trying to, you know, resolve, a, you know, come up with a solution I feel like diversity and whether it be, you know, the medical profession, the legal profession, it doesn't matter. In, in any of these very high demanding professions, it has to start off with the next generation, right? Because, I mean, we already know what we know. We already have our stereotypes and standards. But if the next group coming behind us already knows that doctors look a different way, they know that doctors can be female, they can be, you know, different races, they can be young, they can be pretty, like, you know, they... They have an idea that doctors are more than one thing. Now that's kind of how we break the cycle. Um, and so the name of your book is Tell Me, Tell Me Where Does It Hurt? And right. um, you know, the 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 book is, is is such a I love first of all, I love, I love the title. It's very, very welcoming to a child that's gonna read the book. Cause you know, as children growing up, they're always falling and getting hurt and upset and crying about something. I have a I have a nephew right now that's getting ready to be one next month, and he is he look, I'm used to raising like little girls because of my niece. Little boys are different from little girls. Very, he is giving very. me a crime for my money. I don't know why I thought in my mind maybe a boy would be easier because they don't really care about falling and stuff like that. Girls are so prissy, but he is just so active. Um, but yes, yeah, so I, you know, he's always following and like this hurts, this hurts, this hurts. So I love, I love the title. And so tell our audience a little bit about what they can expect in the book. So it's two books, but we're going to talk about this one first. Right. Tell yeah. me where this hurts. So everything you said, 100%, you cannot change statistics unless you start with the little ones, okay? So in order to make a change, if we want more doctors of color, if we want more Black lawyers, you know, you have to be able to start with the generations before us. Um, and so I decided to write this book for a few reasons. One, a lot of Black kids don't see themselves represented in the books that they read. So me being a physician, I wanted to write a book about a physician doctor who's a woman. Because again, a lot of women are not in that profession. Mm -hmm. And you only have 2.5% of Black women in that profession and 2.5% of Black men. That's what it's 5%. But it's only 2.5% of doctors are Black women. And so I wanted to write a book where they could see themselves represented. It's fun, full of fun stories about little kids getting hurt. They go to their doctor who happens to be Dr. Ava Jones, and she's a Black woman. She's very, very approachable. She loves the kids. She loves what she, do, what she um, does, and she helps them feel better. So it gives them a different perspective of what their doctor is and who their doctor is. So that the next time they go to their doctor, maybe they're not gonna be as, as scared and they'll look forward to seeing their doctor because in this book, she's so much fun, she's loving, um, she's pleasant to be around. And then at the end of the book, 
I have uh, fun little games for them and um, a little bit more to learn about the organs and what the organs do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's the book in a nutshell. Something just fun for the little ones to read. I think six years old um, mm-hmm. is the average age. Average age for the book. Okay. And where can where can people find is this book? Is it on Amazon.com, Barnes and where can they find it? It's available on Amazon to be purchased. Barnes and Nobles too. Okay. But most people buy it on Amazon because you know, Amazon Prime. <laughs> it's so easy. Right. I love it. I'm constantly having Amazon deliveries. Um yeah, and then you have a second book. Is it Paging Dr. You? Right. Paging Dr. You and Dr. this is the book right here, Paging Dr. You. So that was my first book that I wrote. And that book became available around the pandemic, which was perfect timing um, with everything that was going on um, with COVID and political unrest. And I mean, so much going on, inequity. So this book I wrote because along the way, throughout my journey, I've been really fortunate to have parents in the medical field, like I said, So when I had struggles and I was going through things, I could call my mom, call my dad and call other people in my family and tell them what I was going through. And they totally understood what I was going through and they helped me push through and helped me make it to where I am today. Unfortunately, a lot of people out there who want to go to medical school don't have that support. And so I feel like the system also is meant to fail us. And it's not that we're not smart, it's because of the system. And when you're wanting to go to medical school and you're a black woman or a black male, Mm -hmm. it makes it even more difficult when you don't have anyone in your family or anyone in your circle that's in the medical field to give you advice, to help you push through, to help you get to that next step. And so I wanted to be that person to show the kids who wanna go to medical school what they need to do to position themselves to success. And it's very simple to read. A 13-year-old, 14-year-old can read it. And it's simple things that you may not even think about. Like don't do anything crazy on social media because it can follow you forever and affect you when it's time for, for you to have interviews or start working on your credit early because medical school is expensive and very likely you're gonna need to take a student loan. Um, so things like that, that people don't think about that may affect, you know, how their journey goes, um, what classes to take, how to study for the MCAT, um, different schools out there that um, have seven, six years, eight year program combined. So it's a lot of gems and a lot of tips in there to help those who want to go to medical school position themselves for success. Okay. Well, it sounds like it's a roadmap, definitely a roadmap. And like you said, some of the things you just mentioned, you know, thinking about your credit, thinking, you know, just the things that maybe the typical person would even think to give you advice about. I appreciate that you put those sort of gems in the book. And is Paging Dr. You also on Amazon? Yes, that's on Amazon and also that's on Amazon. Okay, great, great. So (laughs) definitely we'll make sure our audience uh, picks up a copy of of that. And, you know, we always close our interview out with some, just some fun questions. Now we've been talking to you so much about being, you know, a doctor. If you were not a doctor, Dr. Ava, what would you have become? Because I know a lot of your influence is your parents. So that's all you knew. But if 
for some reason, you did not go down the path of being a doctor. What do you think you would have become? That is such a good, 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 good question. I don't even know if I know how to answer that. Let me see. Is there anything else you were good in in school, like you were interested in? Because I know being a doctor, math, science, whatever. But like, was there any other subjects where you're like, I really enjoy this? I really like science. <laughs> and it's so funny because I'm the opposite. I, I ran away from math and science. <laughs> <laughs> I really like science, even though science kicked my butt sometimes. But I probably would have been a lawyer, honestly, if it wasn't for medicine. But right now, I like the fun things in life. I love fashion. I love traveling. Um, so... If you were to ask me right now, if I'm not doing medicine, what I would do, it would probably be something along the lines of traveling mixed in with fashion. Okay. Now, what it is, I don't know, but it would be something <laughs> along those lines. But that's a good segue to my last two questions, my last two fun questions. So that's a good segue. You know, a lot of our professional women, again, that come on this call, yes, they, they went to school, they have very demanding careers, but like you said, they're put together, their hair is done, their nails are done, their brows are done, lashes are done. Um, just because, you know, you're stressed out and you have a demanding job doesn't mean you need to look like it. You know, you can still be put together. People see you before they hear you. That's what my mother always has told me. Uh, and so we, we also, you know, applaud women that you know, keep it together, such as yourself. And so we would like to hear some of your like favorite beauty products first that you use. And then in terms of like designers, who are your favorite designers? So we'll start with beauty first. Like what <laughs> products do you use? Um, I like taking care of my skin. Mm -hmm. And so lately I've been obsessed with not wearing makeup. Okay. okay. So mm -hmm. I just love my skin now. And it took me, I want to say a good 18 months to be able to get to a point where I'm bare skin and I don't have to wear makeup anymore. I use a lot of the Osea products, believe it or not. I love Osea. I've been using their stuff for months now. And I think they got me to this point where yeah, like, I, was say, I don't like have, have no blemishes. For those of you, for those of you <laughs> that are looking at this and not listening to this, yes, your skin is like flawless. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm obsessed with not wearing makeup now. So I just get ready real quick. Um, I do my lashes, my mm -hmm. brows are micro micro shaded. Okay. So that way I can wake up and not need I to do anything that way. to my lashes <laughs> or anything to my brows, which really, really help a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and then what else do I really like? Um, I love the Lumi Spa. Mm -hmm. That is um kind of like a little device that you can put your cleanser on oh, yeah. and it rubs and like it I've seen the commercials on TV. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Lumi spa and it helps with collagen buildup and all that stuff. It cleans your skin. I love that stuff. So that in combination with the products I'm using, you know, and then yeah, course, no, it looks great. Whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, I've been really into fitness lately okay. and I think, Again, the pandemic is really what got me into the fitness the way that I am now. I've always been into fitness, but not the way I am now. So I have a trainer. I work out five days a week with my trainer consistently. I don't skip. Um, so all of that really helps me, you know, take care of myself. And maintain. Maintain. So we, just, so we can get the doctor, you know, Ava that we see on Instagram. She's very popular <laughs> on Instagram, by the way. You have to follow her. What is your Instagram oh, handle again? What's your Instagram handle? It's at Dr. Eva B. 
Yeah. So yeah. dr.evab. Yeah, she has thousands of followers that are constantly like, how do you do this? How do you do this? Because I mean, <laughs> you just telling me that you have an emergency uh, physician, husband, and three kids, and you're doing all this stuff. It is amazing, uh, uh, you know, what you do. And in, ter in terms of your style, because you said you love fashion. I was going to say on your Instagram, you dress. I mean, sometimes you're obviously in your scrubs, but yeah. you're also very fashionable. Who are your favorite designers? My favorite designers. Ooh, um, hmm. Let's see. Let's see. What do I read? I mean, I like a little bit of everything, you mm -hmm. know, I love shoes, like shoes is my thing. So okay. <laughs> I would spend a pretty penny on a shoe mm -hmm. uh, because I can have that shoe forever and ever. Okay. As far as clothing is concerned, uh, I like Zara. I buy things from different boutiques that I find on Instagram. I love mm -hmm. supporting black owned boutiques that I find. Um, and then every once in a while, I'll get, you know, something from Fendi or Gucci, you know, a lot of accessories, things that you can wear over and over and over. Um, so Listen to these tips, I was going to say, because yeah. <laughs> as a professional woman, I always say you should have like, you know, at least one good, you know, pump, one good bag of yes. watch, you know, things yeah. that you can have forever. You can use over yeah, and over. I don't over. mind spending money on shoes, like I said, because. The quality is good. I've had shoes that I'm still wearing 20 years later, okay, mm -hmm. because of the quality. And you can wear them over and over and over. But if I bought this shirt, for example, from a very expensive designer, it would be very hard for me to keep wearing it over and over and over, right? So right. you have to kind of pick and choose your items, accessories. Cool. I'll spend the money because I can wear them over and over and over, like a bag, you know, um, a headband, a belt. Um, but I... Let's see what my favorite store is lately. I buy stuff from Saks. I go to their sales section a lot and I find really good deals. Okay, see, you listening to this yeah. doctor. She, she makes plenty of money, but she is getting the deals. I think sometimes people think once you start making money, you're just, I see you do understand the people that have money, uh, make, have money is because they don't really spend it. That's, that's actually the secret. A lot of times people think, oh, I get all this money and then I just spend it, you know. Oh, on. you have to spend it smart. So you have to spend it smart. Yeah. I yeah. go in the sales <laughs> section first and right. I find something that's on sale. That's my size. I'm like, oh my God, let me just buy it because it's on sale, you know, mm -hmm. and I know I'm going to wear it and I love it. So you just have to be smart with what you buy and yes. how you buy it. Yes. And you also have to remember when you're first coming out as a doctor or any of these high demanding fields, you're in a lot of student debt, you know, so you may be making really good money, but I would say probably at least the first five to 10 years, you're trying to pay down a lot of your debt. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all of these are, are great gems that you've been able to share um, with our audience. Is there anything else that you're working on or anything else coming up that you would like to share with the audience? So next venture is me working on, um, I'm coaching too, by the way, I do a lot of coaching for those who want to go to medical school, or those who want to switch careers and they don't know how to, and they're considering medicine. So I do coaching for that. And the next thing I'm working on, which hopefully I'm ready to launch like real soon is, um, coaching women, doctors, on how to grow their social media, how to have a presence in social media and how to eventually get brand deals okay. and engagements with putting themselves out there. So yeah, 
That's what I do now. That sounds exciting. Yeah. Well, we may have to part. Legally Fab may have to partner with you with that. Let's do we, it. Let's do it. We, we have a lot of, like I said, we have, like I said, women from all different types of fields, but we definitely have a lot of doctors. I think that would be interested in that. So I'll definitely touch bases with you with that. And thank you again, just for sharing your journey. Like I said, I know a lot of it is really in the, the two books that you've written. So audience will definitely support you and get those two books. Um, and until next time, everyone, take care. Thank you for listening to Your Fab Life. Until next time, please make sure to follow us on all our social media handles at, at I am legally fab. Take care.